Nice to know he's teaching his son wonderful things because I got a cup check while standing in the hallway. Oh, him. my God. He totally beamed <laughs> you. K1, so K1 just came by and, like, did a full-on cup check on me and just kept walking, smiling at me. <laughs> oh. oh. He paid Needle- for that later. Needless to say, I was <clears throat> not wearing the cup. I did not think it was necessary protective equipment yeah. for that activity. But I know you all are all paying attention, and welcome to episode 28 of the Disaster Dads. Thank you all for joining us. We're excited to have you here with us this uh, this evening, this morning, this afternoon, whenever you may be listening to us, our melodic tones in your ears or in your car. Uh, we're happy to have you. Um, in your I, ears or in, in your ears, car. In your car. Maybe I'm, your ears aren't in your car. You left them behind. It's a busy day. Uh, it could be. It could be. <laughs> I, have a, I have a quick edit. I, I would say I prefer dulcet tones <laughs> to melodious tones, but that's fine. We, you know, we try to do our best. And I really should come up with a more engaging uh, intro, but it has never worked and probably never will work. But we are happy to have you all joining us um, to listen to us this time. We, um, uh, You can check us out and follow us, as you know, um, at Disaster Dads on the Twitters, at Disaster Dads on the Facebooks. And at disasterdads.com on the interwebs. So whatever tube you go through to get your information, we have got you covered. So thank you very much. And uh, if you listen to us on Google Play or iTunes, uh, please be sure to uh, rate us and give us a comment so that um, we can try to increase our listenership. Uh, We'd like to get more people on board to join you. And so that when you're having the water cooler conversation, everyone else will know what you're talking about. You have been listening to all to the Disaster Dads. So with that, um, what's a water cooler? It's it's a place that, that's that a, still a thing. Yeah, it's a thing that you have at a place where you work when you have to go into an office. It's I'll, we'll have we'll I'll send you pictures so you know what that kind of stuff looks like. Do I need to put one in my basement now? I don't Possibly. Have Should I? Okay. I have to All pay right. into I'll mine, so you can just pay fully for yours. I'm not going to give you any money though, and I'm still going to drink your water to make it more like a real office water cooler type of policy. It's just got awkward. Just, just. Um, speaking of awkward, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> but before we get to that point, um, I do want to the dads uh, want to um, let a you know give a not a shout out, but let everyone let one of the other dads know he he isn't officially a dad, even though he's not on a lot of the episodes. Uh, Disaster Robin, let him know that all the dads are thinking of you, and we're sorry for texting you constantly while things are busy for you and your your home region. So for him, his family, and all the other families impacted by Harvey, uh, the Disaster Dads uh, are thinking of y'all, and hope things are going well for you and yours. Um, and uh, this time, so you know, trying to trying to make it a little bit serious there. So. Uh, anyways, with all of that said, speaking of disasters running through your hometown and your neighborhood, this was planned. F- I don't know, Dan. We've been planning this for almost what two and a half years, something along those lines. Podcast is a year old, so yeah, we've been talking about this one for about seventeen years. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty close. Uh, you know, the closest prepper within the disaster dad's oh. family is what was that? Ooh. Someone, someone. Sorry. 
Sorry. Wow. I moved the microphone. Our I should have done that. Disaster joke. I'm very excited about the episode have... here. That why, was... yes, I'll... why, yes, I'll take a double order of this special. <laughs> there was some uh, rubber, rubber rubbing against that... wood. I, I don't know. Wow. I, that almost is a, a subterm. I think you can search on certain websites. I'm but... kind of glad. Yeah, I'm kind of glad don't... we can't see below his <laughs> neck. Don't Google that. Uh, I'm glad that we, yeah, exactly. I'm glad we take the uh, TV anchor approach to how we tape the podcast. Uh, it's it's only chest up, um, but but now that now that Joe's relaxed and he's stretched out in his his podcast taping space, um, we have been we have been talking for a while, and uh, Disaster Dan is the closest. Uh, 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 family member on the uh, the disaster dads to being a prepper, and so he has uh, he's got the basement full of you know non perishable items that will last until twenty three thirty six. Oh, that that's Rob. Rob is Rob <laughs> is challenging me for the title. Rob's Rob's the one that was talking about uh, swapping out the canned oh, goods true. based on dates. That's oh no no true. no no let's let's clear this record up. We. Yeah, we emptied the disaster pack because the food was close to expiring, but we didn't refill it. We didn't exchange anything out. <laughs> the cereal was getting close to the date, so we're like, we got to eat this. So. And I could get into a whole other thing as to what cereals should and shouldn't go in a disaster pack when resources are limited, but we're going to let that one go because I don't want to take you. It wasn't a scheduled resupply. It was Thursday night dinner. So that's what happened to his. Yeah. <laughs> hey, September 8th is next week. We should eat this now. Yeah, right. exactly. But we never, we never refilled it. So. Fantastic. Um, well, with that, uh, I do, I do give the mantle to, to Dan as being a little far more prepared in some of the not eccentric levels of preparedness, but the more intense levels of it. And so, um, we kind of talked about this many episodes ago, and I know it's something he's been working on for a, a while, just personally on on generators and houses, and, and not just you know emergencies, but if there's a brownout in a neighborhood or something like that. And so um, it's an it's a it's a important thing to think about, especially when you have little ones, and if there is especially little little ones, and you've got milk to have to deal with all these kind of things you need power to keep a lot of that kind of stuff cool until you can get ice or whatever and so um dan's going to talk about kind of just i guess the best thing we can can talk about is uh you know like generator 101 the kind of stuff that you should think about when you're looking to get a generator what kind of generators you need stuff like that so um because i don't i don't know much more about it than you can go to a home depot or whatever and find them so um so, so we should probably let him talk then. Yeah, we should let him talk about. It. So I'm working okay. on. I'm I'm taking the gradual steps to get up there, but I'm getting very distracted. I'm still trying to get out of the rubber noises from Joe, and so yeah, and just... I'm trying to push it down the steps to get to him. <laughs> Guys, so, I have good news. I have good news. Our other honorary member of the Disaster Dads, my cat, has entered the room. Oh, so hopefully, beautiful. you guys will all get to see your favorite view. Very shortly. Oh, I'm so I'm so ready for all of that. With that, uh, disaster Dan, generate some news for us today. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> uh, all right. So yeah. So generators are um, 
a really uh, helpful tool if you if you deploy them the right way and if you think about it a bit beforehand. It's one of these things that, as opposed to a go bag or something like that, that you might just get and keep in, in your car or keep lying around. You actually have to do, have some thought process go into it beforehand. Um, and one thing that I would recommend is, is whatever you decide to end up doing if you get a generator is to practice how you're going to deploy it uh, when the weather's nice outside because it would really – it, it, it's not going to be helpful when it's pouring down rain in the middle of a hurricane or a snowstorm or something like that. And you realize that you don't have a heavy gauge uh, uh, extension cord that can get from the generator to the refrigerator. That's uh, that's going to be a real problem. So practice uh, whatever you decide, practice it a few times beforehand. But so what we're going to do tonight is just go over some very some of the basics involved with um, deciding what generator you're going to get, uh, the size you need, and some of the logistics that you're going to need to think about as you move through this. So um, as anyone who's ever gone to Home Depot or Lowe's in the fall or in the winter or in the spring or in the summer can tell you, um, you know, a bunch of different generator options are available um, that use different fuel, that have different sizes, and we'll get into figuring out how to decide what you want to get. Yes, Eric? Are our generators seasonal? So if I go in the summer, it's going to be different than the one I'm going to see in the winter? My like basic some, I'm actually, um, this is a real question. No, oh. is the real answer. The shitty answer is always go with Rob's recommendation at Home Depot, which is always get the one with the laser on it. Um <laughs> And uh, go that way. But no, there are not, to my knowledge, seasonal generators. Um, but what there are generators are that use different fuels. You can get gasoline generators. Um, you can get diesel generators that are a bit more heavy duty. Uh, and what you can also do is convert gas generators to natural gas. Uh, you can get a kit that actually lets you... Um, convert what kind of fuel it runs. Uh, if you get a fairly inexpensive um, generator, it may not be worth it um, unless you already have the, um, if you already have a dedicated gas line that you can run it to, you wouldn't be able to run it off, say like a propane tank that you use on your grill. But if you have gas service to your house, like mm -hmm. I do, if you have a gas line and you can put, You'd basically just get a grill connector to put on a line similar to what you would do if you want to switch your grill from propane tank to in-home gas service, and you can run it that way. That is um, an option. There are obviously benefits there in that you don't have to go out and acquire more fuel for it. You don't need to um, uh, make sure that you have a gas station nearby that sells the type of fuel that you need. Um, for example, a lot of gas generators will not take E85. Oh, um, and if you have a diesel generator, uh, you need to make sure that you have a, a station near you that sells diesel. Uh, so, uh, so the first thing you need to decide on is fuel. The second thing you need to think about is the size of the generator that you're going to use. Did you have a question there, Eric? You got very excited for a minute. I was just—he was just thinking about size. Yeah. 
Gosh, normally you get depressed when we talk about size. I know. I'm, but trying, anyway, to, um, I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> the uh, so when you're thinking about the size of the generator, basically what your generators are measured in wattage and the amount of watts that it can generate. Hence the term generator, uh, and but and wattage, but. Uh, there are a lot of resources out there on the internet that you can find where you can guesstimate how much wattage you're going to need. Uh, I circulated a couple to the dads this evening that we'll have in the show notes, but um, you can look uh, look up what you need in terms of size. Um, and also, bear in mind when you're looking at that, a couple of things. First is that there's a startup wattage versus a running wattage. So, uh, you may find that you have the wattage you need once everything is up and running, but you won't be able, you shouldn't plug everything in initially at the same amount of time because you'll spike over the limit of what your generator can create, uh, or what it can service. So you need to be able to, um, do a little bit of arithmetic there to figure that out. The biggest energy heaters or energy hogs are going to be heaters, coffee heaters, coffee makers, water heaters. Anything that's trying to raise the temperature of water is going to use a lot of um, electricity. Uh, And one good tool, which I also put uh, sent around to the dads that you can get on Amazon or a bunch of other uh, thing, you know, other options are is something called a kill a watt which is a, a tool that you can use to measure the, the electrical usage of appliances. So if you don't want to trust what you know the Lowe's generator guide says or the Honda generator wattage guide says, you can measure every electrical device in your house that you want to use and uh, figure that out. So, and what I would recommend is you can literally just put a post-it note on the back of all of these appliances uh, to note the startup and the running wattage. So when you're going around doing it, uh, if the power goes out, you will have these numbers handy um, in addition to just creating a master list. So you have uh, you have all of that information at your fingertips. Nice. Another thing to think about that you need to think about with these is you cannot run generators indoors. You cannot run generators in garages. Um, these things, again, you know, especially if you're burning natural, if you're burning any of these fuel sources that we've been talking about, it's going to be kicking out carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide is a big no-no in any type of enclosure, um, especially within a house. But that then poses the question of if you're running it out of the house, how do you get it into the the electricity that you're generating into the house? What you're going to want to get are heavy gauge electrical cords, not necessarily just the ones that you get for um, use with the hedge clippers or the vacuum cleaner or something like that. You want to go on Lowe's or Home Depot or Amazon or wherever you buy this kind of stuff and you want to search for heavy duty uh, electrical cords. 
you get more than you need. Uh, we have like, I think we have 400 footers um, for ours on the off chance that uh, we change around what, where things are positioned in the house or where we want to position our generator. Uh, and, and you want one, just one cord. You don't want a whole bunch of cords. You don't want to daisy chain them, right? You just want to like one, like if you need it, you just need one giant cord. You don't want to daisy chain a whole bunch of extension cords together. No, don't, don't no. daisy chain extension cords. And, and when you're talking about the gauge, I believe it's the, the lower the number, the, the heavier the gauge. Because I have to fact check that, so give me a minute. Yeah, uh, Eric, it depends. My generator has a couple of out output um, output units on it where you can plug in. It has a bunch of fe- a couple of female connectors on it. Yeah, you can run more than one cord out of. Yeah. So, but yeah, like you don't want to put a surge protector into the. Uh, outlet and then overload that the other thing you want to do is you can actually buy heavy gauge um cords that do split that have several um uh female ends at the end that you can then run multiple appliances off of what you just need to be careful there is going back to what we talked about is those electrical cords also have a top level wattage meaning if you're running your water heater your refrigerator and your stove off of one elect one power cord you're probably going to run into a problem so you need to be you just need to be careful you need to be doing some arithmetic on all of these parts and in to pair to steal a line from all of our recruit schools you know this system is only as strong as the weakest link meaning uh when you're running this through if the generator is creating enough wattage, but the power cords that you're using to get from the generator to the appliances won't withstand the load that you're running, you're probably going to start a fire. So I'm just re- recalling two things here. One, uh, this is basically just like the heavy-duty cords that we carried off the rig with a junction box on the end. I mean, that's... You that's mean the ones that we ran to the generator on the rig? Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then, so Rob... That's how that works. That's how that works, Rob. And then, to Rob's point about uh, the gauge, the smaller the gauge, the bigger the... The lower uh, the number. The lower the number. The bigger the gauge. The bigger the gauge. Would you rather be stuck with an eight gauge needle in your arm or a twenty gauge needle in your arm? Good point. Thank you. That's all I got. <laughs> and all for night. the listeners that aren't all looking I have. at that Joe's sarcastic ass face right now, uh, in in needles, the lower number also means a larger bore uh, needle. So an eight gauge needle is bigger than a twenty gauge needle. Right. So yes. Uh, if Rob is in fact accurate there, uh, and we'll have um, Disaster Dad Council check that out, um, we will. Um, uh, we may may uh, we'll get back to you on that and update that via all of our platforms. So um, the point being, you need to make sure that you have uh, everything in place that you need. Uh, to get the power from the generator to where you want it to go. The other thing you need to think about is physically, how do you get it from outside to inside? Like which entryway into your house do you use? 
in general, one thing that I think makes a lot of sense is if you can position the cord or excuse me, position the generator close to a window, run the power cords through the window into the house, that, um, that works very well because you can then, with the gap in the window, you can just stuff some towels in there and you can either keep the hot in and the cold out or the cold in and the hot out, depending on the season, you can keep your house a, a bit more regulated versus, you know, with temperature as opposed to running it through the front door and keeping the front door wide open. So, um, but again, that you need to think about how you're going to position your generator in order to do that. Um, and that may change. And that goes back to the point of having extra capacity when it comes to power cords, because the side of your house may be perfect for springtime, uh, summertime, fall. But if it's a huge snowstorm, uh, you may want to have it right on your driveway and run it via your garage. So uh, practice this thinking about, again, not just how you get stuff from A to B, but also what if the positioning of A changes from side of the house to back of the house or side of the house to uh, front of the house. So um, have all of that thought process in place uh, before anything happens. Uh, the other, there are some other things that you need to think about. Ga gas generators are a bit, are finicky, or electric generators, electrical generators are finicky machines in that they don't get used a lot. They use fuel that can deteriorate. They need oil. Um, one tip that I, that talking with some folks that have had generators and have had multiple generations of generators come through their house uh don't if especially if it's gas if it's a gasoline powered generator don't let it get older than say six months one good tip that i found was if you want to use up the gas that's in the generator or you just want to run the generator to keep everything primed and fresh um, just turn it on before you mow the lawn you're not going to be creating any extra um Noise. noise for the neighborhood because you're already going to be mowing your lawn. So the lawnmower is going to be going, so it won't bother the neighbors. The other thing that you can, and while you do that, uh, you are going, you know, plug in an appliance that will use, gen, you know, require enough electricity that it'll run through the gas that's in there. Uh, you know, a space heater is a good something to use or a coffee pot, uh, something like that. Something that's going to require a bit of wattage just to run through the gasoline that's in there. So don't let gas get old. If you have a gas can that's dedicated to the generator, don't let that get old either. You can buy um, fuel preservatives for gasoline that you store in tanks. Um, they go by a bunch of different brand names. All seem to work reasonably well from my experience. Uh, check your user manual if they have recommendations for that. Uh, the other thing that you should do is make sure that you keep uh, probably two quarts of extra oil and a reasonably long funnel in order to put it in. Um, you know, keep a small drip pan underneath the generator while it's running. It only, most generators, most sort of Consumer level generators don't hold a ton of oil. Mine only holds a quart, so I can just keep like a Tupperware container under it. And if 
there's a catastrophic failure. I'm not going to end up with oil everywhere. Um, and you can, you know, check your user manual, but basically 30 weight oil is fine. Um, so if you're going to the auto store or the gas station, you're looking at the oil there, SAE 30 or 30 WT, 30 weight, uh, will work. Um, for mine, the more expensive 30 weights, which are 10 W30 or 5 W30, which a lot of cars use, um, actually don't work as well in the generator motor as they do in an auto motor. So I steer clear of those. Um, and those are more expensive generally. So that's good news for good news for me. But <laughs> look at your user manual uh, and make sure that you do have um, the appropriate oil there for the motor. Um, if you do end up with gas that's older than six months or so, um, I found that all makes and models of cars that we've had come through the fleet deal with older gasoline far better than smaller motors like lawnmowers, generators, snowblowers. So the next time you, you fill up your car, uh, drive it around for a day, and then just empty the old six-month-old gas into your car uh, and and go on about your business. Um, that is at least how we do things here. Uh, the other thing is once a year, you want to change the oil in your generator uh, or every 100 hours of use. So for our, our friends down in Texas, some of them will be changing the oil in their generators uh, a bit early this year probably, given what some of the damage is going on down there right now um, if they have the generator up on their roof because uh, they're going to get through 100 hours of usage probably pretty quickly. Uh, we generally try and change the oil in ours in the spring, uh, or the summer because, um, shockingly the oil flows out better when it's warm outside because of science. So, um, science. yes. So those are sort of the big thought processes that you, you can have when it comes to generators um, and, and sort of the initial equipment that you need uh, when you are thinking about acquiring one and how you're going to run one. Um, the last tip that I would have is sort of similar to the snowblower uh, rules of engagement, which is if you're expecting to use it in the next couple of days, tr make sure that it'll turn on before the power goes out or before the snow starts falling uh, for the snowblower. Uh, because once disaster hits, you want to make sure that it's ready to go. Um, the other point there uh, when it comes to starting and refueling is don't let it run dry. Um, similar to my former lawnmower, it's a, it can be a real pain to prime these. So if you run completely dry, you're going to run into problems. Uh, mine, actually, it is... Um, a bit of a hassle to refuel it in that you need to unplug everything, let it run with nothing attached for a couple of minutes to sort of cycle down a little bit, then turn it off, let it cool down, and then refuel it. You can't just pour gas into it while it's running uh, is there a just to keep it running forever. Is that just your model or is there like a, a specific, you know, I guess protocol for generators not to, to hot fuel? 
Uh, I don't know if there's a, this is my, I've only ever had one generator, so I don't know if this is universal or not. I would say anytime you get a, you're thinking about getting a generator, look at what the instruction manual says. Um, common sense though, if you're running something very hot that requires additional gasoline inside of it, you may want to cool it down a little bit before you attempt to pour the extremely flammable liquid into it. I, I guess that could make sense. I just, you know. Just asking questions for those that may not be thinking about that. Absolutely. No, uh, but so I, I don't know um, if that is universal or not in terms of the unplugging procedure, but uh, the manuals will get into all of that. Yeah. So that's kind of all that I had planned that I wanted to cover in the this episode. Go ahead, Eric. Uh, maybe for a future episode, but I, I do find it interesting. Another um, uh, podcast that I listened to has talked about the new Tesla super wall or Tesla home wall, whatever it is, and tying that into the house as a backup generator based on solar energy and stuff. Mm. So not necessarily on that, but in, in again, cause you're my most prepared friend when it comes to this kind of stuff. Do you know anything about like the some solar powered ones or some some solar tie-ins so that you're not you know stuck with a natural gas or a uh, uh, regular gas uh, generator that you may have a solar backup type of system that could tie in this way? Have you investigated anything like that? I haven't investigated anything like that. My question and knowing absolutely nothing about the wall, um, I got is. That one of the big limitations on generators is the fact that you, the power that's needed to start up a lot of these key systems. And um, so, you know, if the wall is just used as something to sort of supplement your normal power, um, that may not be able to handle that. Or, if it or but what it could be useful for is if it's if it works as a system where it it collects electricity that's then stored in like a huge battery or something yeah. like that in your house that you then draw down on that could be really interesting when you pair that with a generator because you may be able to use that capacity again it depends on sort of how how much you need and what you're running it on um, that could be interesting to how that could offset how a generator would work. Yeah, yeah I don't think you'd be running the, the wall with the generator. It'd be one or the other. Um, the wall is, is, like you said, Dan, that's basically just it's taking solar energy, putting it into capacitors or, or you know, high-end batteries. Uh, and then when there is a blackout, a brownout, it, it will pull from those capacitors. So I don't think you'd be running both of those a yeah. generator and a, and a... I don't know. I don't know why... why like I mean, why wouldn't you, right? Because mm -hmm. if you could... If you had really high energy usage stuff that you don't need that often, like if you wanted to run the stove or a coffee maker or something like that, keep that off the wall, run that off a generator for only when yeah. you need it. And then your refrigerator or something that's just sort of humming along, um, you could use um, – uh, use just generator. use the wall yeah. for Yeah. And this goes yeah. into what you're talking about. But again, but I'm saying that knowing, I'm saying that knowing nothing about yeah. wall and I, barely knowing that much about generators. So as, as far as I know, the wall is a total 
backup system akin to a generator. Um, and I'm getting all my information from the same podcast I think Eric is <laughs> with, with this info. Uh, and that it could, it, you know, it's all it's powered off of solar and it, you can drop off the electrical grid completely when that kicks on. Well, and it's and it's not just the wall. I just have a. I'm just curious about solar energy in general. With some of this now and and the changeover into, you you build up capacity during the day and you can sell some of it back, you know, onto the grid and you know kind of get yourself. Out. So I was curious how how all of that could tie into when the grid is fully down, you know, you know how that compete how that compares to generator uses. I mean, again, it was a totally off the off-the-cuff question that I knew that may not be for this episode, but maybe for generators version two. But it's, um, it's something that if you're in an area that allows you to do solar energy, you know, it could be an interesting uh, survival tip. Yeah. I mean, but, and one of the, there are people that have been using solar to supplement or in some cases replace the electrical power grid, you know, for a while, there are some areas where they will let you sort of sell back to the utility. Yeah. And that gets into a lot of sort of legal and legal questions and subsidies and things like that, that we're not really equipped to deal with. But that's interesting, Rob. I, yeah, I'd be, we may need to investigate that. We may need to have like a future tech episode or something like that, where we all, uh, pick something to talk about. That could be really interesting. We could just have or, an, a whole episode talking about, Tesla and Elon Musk, because I'm kind of big into any of that kind of future stuff. Because I'm also curious about, side tangent, his, I got permission from the governments to build my Hyperloop from Hyperloop. New York to D.C. Like when that came out. 15 minutes to Philly, I'm looking into that. Yeah, when that came out, all of us in the transportation world were like, yeah, there's probably no permissions going to start on that anytime <laughs> soon. But it's a very, very interesting proposition. But So that's a side right. tangent to a future tech episode. Homework, Eric. You and I need to write the other uh, podcast and maybe do a crossover episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> multiple podcasts. Barely handle one. So, but no, we'll so let, was, let them do the heavy lifting. We'll just Skype in with them. Yeah, that could do. That could work out. Yeah, the um, half-hour disaster. <laughs> <laughs> you know that is a good name. We should have thought of that later for you know instead of the disaster dads, a uh, you know the half-hour yeah, disaster with the dads. That's so, getting in on infringement. I don't know. I don't know. So, but anyways, um, so that was just when we were talking about generators. I was curious about the solar part. So it's it's interesting. I mean, it sounds like they could complement each other depending on the kind of setup you have. So it could be, you know, something worthwhile looking into. Because I've always been interested in trying to get some sort of solar on the house, not just for, you know, disaster and strikes or anything like that, just to help ease some of the costs of things. And unfortunately, fortunately, we have excellent, wonderful old growth trees in our our backyard that pretty much block all of the potential solar energy. Um, so, yeah. yeah, we, we've got a couple parts of the roof that could be pretty useful. That could be pretty useful for, um, but we've also got a pretty healthy roof right now, knock on wood. So yeah, saving that I'm tabling that until, uh, we have to have that conversation. <laughs> until I think we... if you do solar, then the solar company owns your roof and it's their deal. So it depends. It's interesting. It depends on the pricing, but yeah, or on the the vendor that you use. But yeah, there's some really interesting sort of pricing schemes out there now. uh, Solar. Hi, we'd like to lease your roof for five years. Basically. 
Yeah. We should probably cover that in our solar energy episode and not hijack generators. So. Well, yeah. yeah. But now you've Sorry. got me thinking about it. But I was also just ta- listening to somebody talk about it where for a lot of solar companies now, because the price on solar has dropped so much, that they will actually um, – there's almost – in some places there will be zero upfront cost oh. to getting solar installed mm. on your house because they know they'll make it back right. um, by being able to sell excess basically. That's crazy. Yeah. It's great. No, yeah, I'm as, as supportive as I can possibly be for it. Let the market work. Oh, um, so um, I had a couple of other quick tips before we go. So um, first is um, one thing that you can do. So as we've talked about and we sort of hinted around, if you overload the system, if you do the math wrong, you overload the system, there is a fire risk involved or you can damage the equipment that you have, you can, in addition to getting heavy-duty, Eric, uh, uh, extension cords, you can get heavy-duty, Eric, uh, surge protectors. I'm getting cleaned up. Uh, I got double duties. (laughs) You can get get heavy-gauge, sort of industrial-strength surge protectors, the ones that have the the breaker in them, the little black switch on the side. Uh, you can just attach that to the end of the electrical cord, not to try and create multi- more avenues, but just run a single plug the appliance into the surge protector, surge protector into the cord. That way, if the system does overload uh, before it gets to the generator, it'll flip the breaker on the surge protector. Nice. Um, the other thing to be aware of is that um, the power created by the generator isn't the cleanest of power meaning it's not the 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 i mean not to get too technical but sort of but the waveform that's generated by the generator has some background noise in it some some ripples if you will in the waveform so some appliances may not work when that are very sensitive to the electrical draw uh if you try and plug it in or there may you may get some background noise like humming in things like fans um, if you try and run them off of a generator. Um, that's normal, but ju- just be aware that's what um, is happening. You can actually get something that you can plug in in between the the generator and the the appliance that can sort of regulate that out, sort sort of a governor, if you will, for the power that's coming out. Those are very expensive and probably not worth the cost uh, uh, to use with a generator that you hopefully only have to use a couple times a year. Uh, so if you if you run into a problem, that's a possible solution. Another possible solution is just try and see if there's another uh, if you can, if there's either another appliance that can do that job or just avoid using that system when the power's out. Yeah, I think Joseph has a question. No, I was just scratching my arm. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm good. Perfect. So, you know, these, this is something that is, uh, you know, very useful. Um, the way that we've worked it out in our house is basically we wanted to be able to keep um, a water heater going, a refrigerator going, and something that can prepare food 
going. And so um, that is what we have done with uh, with our generator. And um, it has we actually haven't had to use it in a disaster situation yet. Um, luckily, uh, but um, we are ready to roll in case that does occur. So uh, that is that's sort of all I've got. Do we have any uh, parting questions from the uh, peanut gallery? <laughs> I don't see Joe scratching his pit, so I think that's no que- for the questions there. No, nope, I'm good. No itch, uh, no questions. Uh, Frank, Frank Spear, do you have any questions? Nope, oh, hearing yeah, nothing. Sorry. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Hope Sharknado goes well for you, Frank. <clears throat> but uh, cool. Well, thanks, Dan. I really appreciate it. It is uh, it is an interesting and important topic to do with a lot of, as you said, there's a lot of aspects to it, a lot of technical stuff. So you really need to, rather than just go get a generator and plug a bunch of shit in, you really do kind of need to know your what you're getting yourself into, what you can actually run. Um, and if you do want to invest in, you know, a natural gas one that can run the whole house or, or whatever. Um, so, so yeah, I do appreciate it. And coming soon will be uh, Generators Part 2. Um, Electric Boogaloo. The, wadded, the Wadding? Something like the that. The Wadding. Uh-huh. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, I know uh, Dan is going to be rebuilding a generator from scratch and we'll be able to share pictures and how all of the uh, MacGyvering goes to uh, to make that work. Um, we'll take pictures before his house burns down and then after so you can Ooh. see how that all went. Uh, <laughs> bad, bad voodoo, bad voodoo. Zing! Uh, knock on podcast wood. Uh, that he won't Joe. burn his house. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's not even paying attention. He's got us on what? mute. What? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So again, appreciate that. Uh, any questions or concerns that anyone has, make sure to hit us up on the Twitters and Facebook, uh, disasterdads, uh, dot com. If you want to leave a, a message on this, on the, uh, on the website and, um, look forward to chatting with you next time. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, we panic so you don't have to take care. Bye.